0: What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horn, and this this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, present, history, legacy, tradition, all of that stuff for one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. You know I'm talking about that National Wrestling Alliance, and today uh, we've got one of our heavy hitters. Been doing a lot of the Circle Squared stuff, and that's still going to keep coming out as those episodes air, but today we wanted to get somebody you guys have been requesting for a long time and that is Mr. Caleb Conley. You've seen Caleb Conley on NWA Power all throughout. He's a kind of quiet guy as far as uh, promos have been so far on the show. But he is a hell of a wrestler. And I think you've all noticed it. And that's why we get a lot of requests from Mr. Conley. Anyway, just wanted to take a moment to uh, say thanks to all of you. For everybody who subscribed, liked, and everything else. Please make sure you keep doing that. Give us a subscribe on the YouTube channel. We have live after shows for NWA Power and Circle Squared every Tuesday at 7.05-ish. And uh, if you hit that like and you hit that little bell there, that gives you a notification every time we're on the air because maybe we'll just randomly decide to do live chats. Who knows? Also, if you're listening to this, you've probably subscribed to the podcast. But if you haven't done so yet, you can also do us a huge favor by going over to iTunes and giving us a five-star review. That helps us get in front of more people, like yourselves who love the nwa and what's going on there in wrestling and love hearing from wrestlers like this they've been all of the all of the folks in the nwa have been really really gracious to us and they've been really cool about coming on the show and we hope to continue doing that so as we move along here uh, all of those reviews and you recommending it to your friends and all of that stuff it legitimately does help and we thank you so much for all you've done so far so, uh, as you know, Adam Rotella at This Is Rotella. I am Gary Horn, and that's at This Is Gary Horn. And of course, the podcast is on all of the social media stuff at The NWA Pod. And I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I will say uh, that I did almost forget to hit record, though. So uh, we kind of just jump into this conversation with Caleb. He's talking about how he doesn't actually do many podcasts. So if you're curious about where the conversation's picking up, that's it. He also mentions uh, that night's episode of NWA Power. I've had this one in the vault for just a little bit. And uh, the team he's talking about is he's teaming with C.W. Anderson at that NWA Power episode, which might be a sign of things to come for the Crockett Cup. He at least alludes to that. And uh, speaking of, if you haven't gotten your tickets for a Crockett Cup, April 19th, you don't want to miss that at the Gateway Center in College Park, Georgia. And, uh, okay, enough blabber-mouthing. Ladies and gentlemen, Caleb Conley. <laughs>
1: my time but honestly man i try to not clutter. i've got enough stuff in, going on in my uh, personal life and business life and all of that stuff and i just try to not clutter my mind with more things that i have to
2: do dude i, I appreciate you sitting down No, you're doing us a favor by coming on we we've been watching you on on nwa power and everybody has this idea of like who we would get and who the stars are we would get on the show and all this stuff we we go a lot by what our audience tells us what they want to hear, and and you're one of the names that that comes up a lot, so that's why uh, mm-hmm. I was passing the hell out
1: of you. That's that's great to, to know. I feel like uh, yeah, I've got a. A little bit of a, a fan base is following me on the, on the power. Yeah, I really appreciate them always pushing
2: for me. You made a name for yourself. Like you came out and you, you, you had your wins and losses and everything, but you you look good in the ring, and I think people appreciate that. Just like how much effort you put into it, and just like you you work hard, and everybody can tell that. And I think one of the things with the like NWA is like people appreciate like that work that, yeah. that people put in. It seems like a lot, maybe different than other companies. I don't know. Yeah, I feel
1: like you know there's the old school mentality with power, and uh, I know some, sometimes my the actual moves that I hit are uh, newer moves, and maybe they're not quite what you saw in the '80s. But I feel like the the mentality behind it, the, uh, the psychology I use, the, those things come straight from the old school, the Crockett days, you know, the the, uh, the Deep South days that that's, that's what I was into as a kid and I have kind of tried to you know carry that on throughout my career you
2: know I saw like one of your shirts like on the um pro wrestling tees you have like hell of a hand on there is that something you get a lot or something or is it just like where does that come Yeah from?
1: uh yeah well there there's there's several layers to that shirt sure, obviously it's got the cards on there and it's a hell of a hand but the numbers on it are 704 which is Charlotte And CK, which is Kaylee Conley, obviously. Uh, And the hell hell of a hand, just the the old school saying in wrestling that he was was a good wrestler. Claire told me that when we were training with um, his son Reed at the time, where me and Jake Manning, the man scout, were introduced to Kevin Nash. And he goes, Yeah, these two kids are a hell of a hand. So I've kind of always, always kind of just been a joke that, you know, they put me in there with with guys who may need uh, help. As far as being green, or sometimes it's some sometimes it's the the legends who who need to be in there with someone they know they're going to be safe with. And that's kind of always been. That's always kind of how I I've, I've thought about myself is put you know, in there with either of these situations, and I'll I will make the best of the situation.
2: How, how long have you been doing this?
1: Uh, I started in 2005 around Atlanta. My dad was an independent wrestler in the Atlanta area during the 90s. Notorious DOG he worked for. You know, basically, everybody who was anybody in the, the late 90s and around you know, North Georgia, Tennessee area. So, I grew up around it, basically. He was in and out of music and wrestling, and uh, I just wasn't a good musician. So, I started wrestling. Uh, I trained under Murder One and uh, Rob Adonis originally in 2005. And then I moved to Charlotte in 2007 and uh, started training with George South, who was a uh, legendary Crockett wrestler. So, I uh, just and ever since then, I've just kind of been, you know, trying to work everywhere as
2: possible. I do have to ask you just to switch things up a bit. I mean, one of the big things that I think uh, I need to know about you, just to not completely bore you with all wrestling stuff, but why are you completely disgusted by milk? Who said this? <laughs> That's what? Okay, so I was telling you beforehand, I was talking to uh, some some of your friends, and uh, I was told that you were completely disgusted by milk. Is that not true? Uh, I mean, I'm not disgusted by it. I just don't I don't particularly
1: like it. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, I don't I don't drink it. I don't care for it. It's not it's not that I hate it. I drink I'll eat ice cream, I'll eat, you know, yogurt. I'm not completely against lactose or anything. I just I don't really see a coin in milk myself. I, I mean I drink almond milk from time to time in my cereal, which is might be a, you know, once a month occurrence, but I don't hate it. I mean I don't like it. I'm not on a revolt against milk. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> I just so when I was asking, I got like three things, and it was like uh, he likes pit bulls, he hates milk, and he used to be a huge ICP fan. <laughs> <That's>...
1: <laughs> well, those those are those are two two things. Uh, yeah, I've got a pit bull. I've owned pit bulls before. I love dogs, and uh, I feel like pit bulls have been mistreated, and I remember I feel like uh, I have a kinship with pit bulls. You're stocky, athletic and uh, have been commonly told we're aggressive, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a kinship there with, with, with that
2: pit That makes sense, man. I was just like, just literally earlier today, there was a lady here. I live in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. She had been, I guess, attacked by like a stray or something like that. But was like, she was talking about hoping for a whole, like the full scale pit bull band, but that always seems nuts to me. Like, I don't, I mean, I've seen, I, I've got a, best friend who's got a pit bull who's like the nicest dog i've ever seen so i don't know it's just always strange that
1: yeah yeah i mean i think there's good dogs and there's bad dogs and you know if one was mistreated and treated like shit and left to die and maybe it might be aggressive you know that's what it was taught to be aggressive mine is a 60-pound lap dog and all it wants to do is kiss you and be pet and rub its butt like I, i in most of the pit bulls i've ever been around i've I've never been like attacked by a dog, but my little brother was bitten by a black lab, and those are supposed to be like some of the nicest, most you know peaceful dogs around. And you know, I had a I had an uncle growing up who had a, a Boston Terrier, and it was a total psychopath. I think you know you can't you can't judge one dog just because one bad thing
2: happened. Yeah, I, I I think the exact same way. The ICP thing. Are you still an ICP fan now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm am an ICP fan for life. I think I don't I don't keep up with them nearly as much as I did as a teenager. Uh, but when I when I got into ICP, it was because they were into wrestling. They were showing up on ECW pay-per-views, and then they showed up at WWF, and it was like, here's the, here are these guys that you know are hated by most people, who who totally suck at rapping and totally suck at wrestling, and then whatever your opinion of them is, maybe they do something wrestling or maybe they do suck at rapping, but they've made their entire life. They've made a record label. They've made uh, movies. They've made an entire wrestling federation. They've countless movies and you know, they have a convention every year between draws thousands and thousands of people. And they've done this. Meanwhile, 99% of the world says they're terrible and why would you ever pay attention to them? And I just, man, I really appreciate that hustle. Like, I, as, as a... Kid who grew up as a wrestling fan, and the kid who grew up loving the heels. Who loved rick Flair and loved, I loved it to hate a guy. It's just impressive to me that these guys have just done that basically their entire life. They came from, from nothing in the middle of a shitload like Detroit town, and you know they told they were never going to do anything. with being like street kids, and here they are, as, you know, still millionaires. It was just kind of a big FU to everybody and man that's that's kind of
2: my dream well you're kind of i mean you're kind of doing that too man like you um one of the things i always like with like talking to guys like you is hearing about that hustle or or where that comes from because i mean you you you're a guy who's who's been everywhere and you've wrestled all over the place and and you've i'm sure had your moments of like thinking you were going to go one place and then not getting the job you wanted or whatever. And, and you're still out there just hustling away, doing the wrestling thing. And I think that's really cool. Cause a lot of people would have given up or do give up, you know, pretty quick or never even bother trying. And, and you're still out there, you know, working your ass off doing that.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I get up every morning and it's like, well, what I got to do now? Is the, the grind, the grind never stops. So, you know, I've worked for, Several different promotions that have, you know, had pretty decent names to them, and I've been kind of promising things that never happened, and I've, you know, maybe I've made some, some bad decisions in my life, business-wise. That uh, you know, could have taken my uh, career a different way. But man, and just if you stop, I'm like a shark, man. If I stop swimming, I'm gonna die.
2: Do you deal with burnout from like times where like you think one thing's gonna happen and then? the rug gets pulled out from under you? Does that, I don't know. How do you, how do you push through that usually? Uh,
1: man, it, yeah, I'm, I'm blown out on a, on a regular, I wouldn't say a regular basis, but you know, it, it hits you. Like I was with a ball and, and I was promised something and it didn't happen. And then I signed with impact. And then after I signed with impact, everyone was telling me that the reason that what I was told didn't happen is because I signed with impact and it's kind of like you just got up and deal with the decisions you make and, you know, hope for the best, you know, the whole, you know, the door closes and window open, these kinds of situation. And at the same time, then like maybe sometimes I am burnt out, but then I think, man, I'm still doing better than a lot of other guys. A lot of other guys are in the position I'm in right now. So I just got to be you know, thankful for what I have and just never, never quit hustling. Like I'm I'd still training in the ring as much as possible at least every at least once a week when i do my class and high spots i feel like i'm a better athlete now than i was 10 years ago and that's i'm, I'm willing to try new things i like this. a lot of guys they get stuck in their way they get to the age i'm at and the, the, you know in at 15 years like i have and they're kind of like ready to just live off of what they've done in the past and i feel like i'm i'm just now finding i'm not just now finding myself but i'm, I'm continuously
2: finding myself updating, updating things. like you, you mentioned impact i mean I, I don't think it's like a big secret you were suicide i mean for a while was a pretty prominent character right i mean that i think it started from the video game or something but i mean it seemed like that was a pretty big push i mean were you were you suicide the whole time like under the mask uh no there, there's
1: been there's been several people who have done suicide i was I was the, the last incarnation of it. Uh, honestly, by that point, it, the, the thing with Suicide is, it, you know, it being a a character from a video game, not just a character from a video game, but a character from a video game that was from a company who keeps on being bought and sold and bought and sold and bought and sold. So by the time it came to me, no one from the original Impact brand or the TNA brand at that time was still around and really gave a crap about it. So it's kind of like, they cared about they cared about suicide they didn't care about suicide it's just one of those one of those things uh, now we need a little jump in the ratings or something we need a, something old that people remember hey let's just bring back suicide for a
2: little bit did is that where you met Lagana and those guys or how, how did you what's the path to NWA for you uh,
1: yeah basically when, when I got to impact was about the same time well Lagana had been there for a little bit and I guess Billy had kind of been hanging out around that time. But it was, it was right after that I got signed that Billy had bought the company. And honestly, like, you know, I did a truck match with Impact. you pretty well. And I came back the next day and I did another match and they offered me a contract. You know, super excited. And, and then they just kind of didn't know what to do with me. So I sat at home for a few months. And between the, t- between the time that I had signed the contract, Billy had bought the company. And by the time they decided Hey, we're gonna have you do this Cope thing and hey, we're gonna have you be suicide. He had already left the company. So I think I, I'd shaken his hand once and he called me one time to to let me know that he was that he and the company were still thinking about things for me to do. And by the time they actually thought about something for me to do, he was already gone.
2: God, that's frustrating as hell, man. I can't even imagine yeah. what it's like. And, and, and you being an independent wrestler, I mean, you, you rely on, I mean, I would think that you kind of rely on knowing what the hell is coming up. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that is something I definitely, uh, I found out the whole when I signed with Impact. And when I signed with Impact, I was kind of, you know, obviously I wasn't promised this money, but I was kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, promised a whole bunch of money that I never really saw. And I kind of went out and uh, I didn't, wasn't reckless with money, but. I made, I made a couple of investments before the money, the, the checks were actually cashed, and then I just, you know, I sat at home for a little bit, so, realize now, definitely don't uh, count your check for the eggs edge.
2: That's crazy, man. I I just can't imagine that kind of frustration, like, uh, dealing with it. I don't know. I don't know how you don't end up more insecure, not knowing where, where the next paycheck's coming from, or then, like, you get burned so many times. But
1: yeah. You- it's that way with all independent, independent everything. If you're an independent wrestler, if you're an independent musician, comedian, just you're in an independent roofer. You know, it's kind of the same way. It's just, you just got to, you have to build a brand, kind of. You have to build your own, like, people have to know your reputation and know that you can do good work and just hope that things line up.
2: It seems like wrestling right now has gotten pretty good to independent wrestlers. And, and it's opening up, you know, for a while there, it was just, wwe but now it seems like there's all these companies sprouting up and um, yeah man
1: that's that's a great thing like when i started in 2005 it was you could go to wwe and make money and you could you know kind of go to tna and kind of make a little bit of a living but other than that it was just starve on the indies and there wasn't really guys that were making very good money on the indies and then you know with guys like CM punk and coco bandit and those guys we kind of early on started to do it like now man you've got guys who are making way more money just being an independent wrestler than they ever would signing a contract with wwe and you know that's that's kind of it was kind of unheard of 10 years ago and it's kind of it's it's i'm doing all right just being an independent wrestler there's guys like you know Joey ryan who he signed with impact now but for years was just an independent wrestler and he's doing, he's doing awesome
2: yeah, it's crazy. I look around now, and and just even on social media and everywhere, there's just like all these names of wrestlers that you know just from the independent scene, and it's kind of crazy, like just to think about. It almost seems like the independents are like what they talk about with like the territory days back in the day. Yeah,
1: it, it kind of is like that, man. It's pretty cool. And another thing is like if you were starting back in you know say two thousand five. I mean, this is a good thing and a bad thing. Like if you started then, you had to work your way up, and you had to, you know, you started in the first match, and you know, hopefully, you had a good match, and you know, one of the older veterans would have seen you, and he would put in a good, good word with you somewhere else, and you'd be the first match there, and then you'd have a couple places you could work, and you know, you just basically have to rely on hopefully these people putting in a good word for you, and then maybe you could, you know, ask for a little bit more money a little on down the road. Now it's like you do one good match. And you have one 30-second clip go viral, and all of a sudden, you know they're sending you to Japan or Mexico, and your your main event everywhere, and you're you're the new hot guy in the Indies. You kind of don't nothing. else to work as hard, but you you kind of bypass some of the bull crap.
2: It's it's always crazy to me too, like just speaking of all those names and stuff, just how many paths cross between all of you guys. You mentioned like Colt and those guys. Like it's always just weird to me. Like I, I used to watch wrestling and think like, Oh, it'd be really cool if like some of these WCW guys would interact with the WWF guys, you know, before Obviously, all the other stuff happened, but like, uh, yeah, I, I look back on the independent stuff now, or I look at that, and like, you guys are crossing paths all the time, or like, when I do research on somebody like you and just see like people you've had matches with in the past that you just I don't, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy to me, just like how everybody's paths run through. And like, and you went to like you were in, uh, zero one at one point, isn't that right, too? Yeah, I, I
1: spent, I spent a, little bit of a month at zero one in, in 2011. I had a really good time there, man. I was. Training with uh, Daishi Hashimoto. His that was I was there when he had his first match against um, um, Masahiro Chono. I've had the opportunities to be in a lot of cool places.
2: Yeah, that's what's awesome. It's like, uh, in a, in a time when when you know, like maybe WWE has like their performance center and and that sort of thing. Like they're trying to. Like factory make wrestlers, there's still like these guys out there, like you, that have been all over the freaking place. Like you, yeah. There's
1: there's there's more talent in wrestling now than I think ever before. You know, there's more spots now than ever before. There's just new opportunities, and it's super, it's super cool. And everyone's kind of has the ability to know everybody and be able to work with everybody. And it's uh, it's kind of a, it's it's like new territory for everybody because never, it's never really been like this before.
2: You always hear the stories about it being like kind of cutthroat. Do you, I mean, you know, back in the past, but it seems like now everybody's like kind of looking out for each other, like seems like they, it's more of a supportive environment. Is, Is that how it really is? Or is it, I mean, how do you find it to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not, there's still people out there that are cutthroat and are just looking out for themselves, obviously. But yeah, it's for the most part, man. Yeah, everyone's kind of looking out for each other. But, you know, it goes back to the, the, the fact that there are more spots open. You know, 20 years ago, you were for WCW or you were for WWF. There, that was basically all you had. There was only a certain amount of guys. And if you weren't one of those guys that were on those shows, you were not you were not eating. But now, like, like I said, hey, you know, the independence boom booming and there's so many smaller shows like NW Power or, you know, MLW and, you know, so on and so forth. Like those two those companies let up, you know, Besides AEW or WWE, that there's not really a reason to have to like bury everybody all the time because you don't have to, you don't have to worry. I mean, if you have to worry about your spot. You have to do good. You have to you have to deliver in the ring, but you don't have to worry about this one guy. If he does well, also that he's going to go and take your spot, and now you're starving.
2: Speaking of WWE, too, uh, you you've had your your moment in WWE. Did I see you're a rosebud at one point?
1: Uh, yeah, I did a Rosebud Rosebud spot, and I did a security spot, and I kicked Tommy Dreamer out of ECW, and, uh, you know, I I had done a couple other extra talent things, but it didn't really, you know, go to air or anything, but, yeah, I was a Rosebud a couple times, and I kicked Tommy Dreamer out of the building, and I let Tommy Dreamer know that every time i see him.
2: (laughs) How does that work? Like, did they just, like, you as an independent wrestler, do they, like, are they looking for people that can, you know, perform and then they're just like, hey, we need a rosebud tonight and they just call you or you just
1: Yeah, up? yeah, kind of. Usually usually, there's a, you know, a guy that has worked for WWE before, WWE before in that territory or it's a guy that runs a promotion in that territory and they will, you know, bring their guys to them, you know, or it's someone that they may have interest in that they want to give a tryout to and... They're always, always going to need extra bodies to do other things besides be, you know, a wrestler. So when they have to have somebody like that, that's
2: what they are them. Not to, like, hammer on it too much, but, like, when you go and do something like that, is there any indication that they're, like, looking at you, like, potentially for more work down the road or you're just kind of hoping that they notice you or something stands out? Like, what's, what's that like?
1: Uh I, I, I haven't. A- it so long that like i don't really know how it works right now but i know when i was going there it was wall well on mondays and then smackdown was being filmed on tuesday so it was like one of those days they might have something for you and they might have a dark match and then like there was one of the days usually i think like the tuesday you would get the ring and you have like a little five minute training match with another guy that was there and uh like the day i was there um which, which one of the Armstrongs is the referee? Whichever one he is, Brian, not Brian, uh, whichever one it is, is the referee. He, it was him that was in charge, and Dustin Rhodes who was in charge. And they kind of just, you know, we'd go in there and have a match, and they would critique it and tell us if we sucked or not. And that was kind of it. And, you know, there was a couple guys that they took interest in. I had a match with uh, No Way Jose. And No Way Jose was probably, I don't know, less than two years in at that point, probably like a year in. He was really nervous. And, I kind of guided him through a match and they liked that he danced and they liked that he spoke Spanish and now he's a signed guy and now, now he's there. But yeah, I mean, that's just kind of it. Like they, you know, they'll have practice matches and if they like you, they'll do some more with you and they, you know, maybe they like you, that they don't see potential when you sign with the company right now and they'll bring you back next time and see if anything's changed or they'll critique you and see if you've gotten your crap together by the next time. You know, it's just kind of, it's kind of how it is with. Really, how it was, you know, seven years ago or however long that was.
2: Is, like, a bigger company like that still something you think about? Or is it, are you kind of happy with, with the way things are? Like, I know that feels like kind of a personal question. I don't mean it, like, as a, you know, just... No,
1: I mean, I think everybody, everybody wants to strive for more if you're doing this, I guess, so people are kind of happy with whatever position they're in and they can just live with that. But I think, uh, I mean, what keeps me going is, I guess,
2: you know, bigger and better things yeah it just like I would, I would love to i guess i kind of think about like you know you could get i don't know whatever kind of big money contract somebody like wwe could offer you but then you never know like what's gonna happen to you i know there, there's like a trade-off it seems like with like security and then there's like the the idea that you can make a name for yourself like caleb conley's like out there getting known on on his own you know rather than whatever name you'd end up with in WWE and interesting. yeah
1: you, you never know man you, you sometimes you just gotta have to take that risk and see what see what gets thrown at you I know that um I can put up with a lot more bull crap when I get paid a lot more money I know that's that's for sure right yeah so, I mean there's guys that have went to WWE and then I'll they'll do shooter reviews and give you horror stories about how bad they were treated and how they hated it there but you know at the same the same time you'll hear guys that love every minute of it and it's, you know, it's their dream job and they got to do it and they would trade it for the world. And, you know, maybe, maybe I do go up there and I get treated terribly and I hate every minute of it. And then, I so I just come back and I would just continue to do what I'm doing now. So like, I'd rather, I would rather take that opportunity and hate it and then rather than, you know, just never go for that.
2: Yeah. It's always kind of curious what's, what's going on and the actual people with the talents minds, you know, rather than the uh, fans, like, you know, fantasy booking. Different people in different yeah. places and that sort of thing. It doesn't seem like nothing's the, ever set in stone, and and it seems like I mean the good part about all of this is you guys all have like way more leverage when these things come up, and like you said, more spots are available and that sort of thing. So you you mentioned earlier high spots too, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Like you're you're a man of many talents, so I've heard you also work as a seamster with high spots. Is that correct? I
1: do. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I make most kick pads that they come out of high spots and uh, the AMA brand knee pads and elbow pads. I also make uh, turnbuckle pads. The pads that you see on the NWA show every week, those were made by me. I make uh, basically basically every large promotion at this point. gets most of their rings, maybe not necessarily their actual rings, but the ring stuff, their aprons, their turnbuckle pads, their canvases, all of that type of stuff from, from highspots.com and I'm the person that's usually in charge of making that
2: happen. Nice. How, how did you how did you end up in that position?
1: Well, uh, I, I came to High Spots in 2007. I mentioned that before. And uh, I was basically just, for lack of a better term, an intern. I would go on the road and sell merchandise, and I would be in the office, and I would pull DVDs off shelves. And I graduated to being the guy that ran shipping and receiving. I'm an artistic guy since you know since I was a kid, so like I wasn't really doing anything artistic there, and it was kind of it was kind of upsetting a little bit. And then an opportunity came up to basically, which to learn how to sew, which I had no had no experience on learning how to sew. Uh, we had a, a spot open up doing that kind of stuff, and I learned how to sew, and that's where I'm at now, man. I, I don't really do like the spandex. Gear stuff, not like trunks or singlets or anything like that, but more of the heavier,
2: heavier vinyls and neoprene and stuff like that. So nobody's like coming up to you backstage at like power, like, "Hey man, I just tore my trunks or something."
1: Uh, no, no, they they have they have a guy there that does that now. Uh, I mean, I I have you know brought stuff from the office. I have brought kick pads or knee pads to the office if you need them. I do that all the time. But uh, my uh, experience as far as the spandex, which is a much more difficult to deal with than, than heavier vinyls and it's very limited
2: yeah it does seem like it would be are, are like a lot of people at high spots like are they also workers in the industry too
1: yeah uh, Jake Manning works here he's uh, the head uh, editor for the DVDs he films and edits he's also a stand-up comedian now uh Savannah Evans she helps me out uh, with the cutting and the sewing of the pads and things of that nature. James Drake, from involved wrestling, is also even with some of the spandexes. So, yeah, we've got a whole crew of people who are performing every weekend and coming here and, you know, helping better professional wrestling.
2: Starting to all come together now, like seeing those Danny Deals commercials on NWA Power, and then I know I've seen... Yeah. I know I've seen George South and Savannah and folks like that on there so now now it's all like clicking for me here
1: yeah that was all filmed at the office
2: what is what is the deal with fscw because i'm i'm not super familiar with it but i know that like you i've seen you as star lord there so that was like kind of blowing my mind there what 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 is the story behind that
1: yeah uh fscw started in uh miami or maybe south florida, florida maybe i'm not sure but there was a there's a convention called supercon and I think I think they've done this a few different places. I think like there's been a couple of different conventions that have tried to do cosplay wrestling and it's kinda of always just kind of been relevant a little bit. But these guys at FSCW and uh, in the SuperCon company, which is now GalaxyCon, um, they do it right and it's it's a really well produced show and you know, all characters from different realms of pop culture or movies or comics or whatever it may be. Uh, they asked me if you. they, they, they started in Florida and they're always doing just in Florida shows. And I'd seen pictures of them and they look like a lot of fun, but then they started branching out. The past few years, been, we just did one in uh, Richmond last weekend and I got to meet uh, Flash Gordon, which you may have seen the video online. It's going to be a little bit viral. Uh, so yeah, man, it's, it's real. I'm started and you come out and, we wrestle, but we also you know, make references to the movies in some form or fashion. And it's honestly, it's some of the most fun I've ever had in wrestling. You know, sometimes you see, you go to wrestling shows and the are really smart guys who have seen everything in wrestling and they're super hard to impress and so they don't really care about anything that's going on. And it's, as a performer, it's kind of irritating to, you know, to go out there and try and put on a good show and then to tell you it's not as good as you know, someone else who did this before they're super critical, but everyone that comes to FSCW at the, at the galaxy con convention, they're, just, they're happy to see pro wrestling. They're happy to see their favorite characters and they're just there to have a good time. It translates in the ring and it helps the performers just, Go out there and have a
2: kick-ass show. Have you found like I mean, with with NWA now, have you found it to be like a good experience overall? As far as like I mean, even with fan interaction and that sort of thing, or I, I always go there and it never feels like anybody's being. I don't know. Everybody seems to be having a good time, as far as I can tell.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I've really enjoyed my experiences at the power taping. Uh, they're kind of they're kind of long shows. So it was Impact uh, Ring of Honor does really long TV taping. And I've been to some of them, and then, like, you know, you see fans drop out and they'll be excited during the first couple hours of TV, but by the end of it, they're kind of, they're kind of dead, or they've, they've already, like, up and left. But it seems like the the fans who come to the power shows are super happy. They're super into it. They stay to the end. They cheer their asses off. They they have fun. And I, like, again, like with FSCW, I think that translates to the in-reading Got up. It's way easier to go out there and give it your all. And do as good as you possibly can, and the people that you're performing in front of are happy that you're there. You know what I mean? Whatever you're whatever energy you're giving to us, we want to give it back to you. So if the energy that you're giving to us is uh, we just don't give a crap, then it kind of when you, any show. If you're a fan and you're going to any show, if the fans around you are just like uh, we don't really care, and then. You feel like the wrestlers who were in the ring feel like they don't care. It's probably because they don't care.
2: So I kept hearing this when I was there this last time. You, you had a match with Matt Cross, which I I thought was awesome. And you guys have a similar, I don't know, something about you just plays well off of each other, it feels like. Um, yeah, so a lot of people around me were talking about uh, Crockett Cup time that you and Matt Cross uh, should team up and do something. Do you have any plans for Crockett Cup or have you heard anything or
0: know anything?
1: Um, you know, it's still up in the air. Uh, i've I've thrown out ideas. If you watch the show tonight, I don't know if it's airing tonight or if not. Uh, but the the tag match that I'm doing on the the next episode could possibly play into something that goes into Crockett Cup. I really do not know at this point. But as far as working with Matt, man, I was very much, uh, I was very happy with the end product, and I was very surprised with how. I w- I'm not surprised that it was good because I know Matt's good, and I uh, like think that I'm also good. But it was the first time we'd ever been in a room together. We uh, have kind of. We've gone kind of similar routes. We've both been around for a long time. We've both been a lot of places. But I've never. I think I've done like a a six way scramble with him in Florida somewhere, and I don't even know that we ever even touched in the match. So just to, he's a he's a guy that I've been a fan of for a long time. Like in and out of the ring, I enjoy just the guy that he is, he's some of the, you know, if I wasn't wrestling, I would still like to hang out with him. So get him to go in the ring with him and kind of just to go out there and do what we do. I was very happy
2: with it. Yeah, you guys both have this thing of like, uh Power has a lot of stuff working for it. And I always feel like weird saying all this, like I'm some sort of expert. Believe me, I'm not trying to pretend I am, but like the, uh, yeah. there's this, Power has these guys, like huge personalities. And that was kind of the start of it. And then, like you could tell that was like the, the emphasis at first. And there's like real big guys too, and um, a lot of it, which is cool, and it carries a lot of the show. But I, I like seeing guys that have this like massive work rate, like just just know how to go. And like you and and Matt Cross, like bring this element on that side of it. That, and that's not knocking anybody one way or the other. But you know, Nick Aldis is a a good friend to this show, but you know, he's not doing the stuff that you and Matt Cross can do. And I just think that's interesting to like have this other aspect because some people do watch the shows looking for like these five-star matches for lack of a better term for it, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean,
1: I feel like one of the reasons I really liked wrestling as a child uh, was because everybody was so different. There were guys that did big, crazy flips off the top rope and there were giant monsters and there were little guys and everyone kind of was different. And that's, you know... In the the cruiserweight division started in the mid '90s with WCW. That was like something that I think me as well as a lot of the guys of of my generation, a lot of the guys that are, you know were not true heavyweights. I think that was those are the guys you were up to, the Dean Mancos and the Ray Mysterios and Eddie Guerrero and you know, the guys that we're not supposed to talk about anymore. Uh, those are the guys you looked up to. and um, But now I feel like a lot of wrestling has, I mean, still probably in WWE, but more on the indies, I feel like everyone kind of like needs to go into this this niche of like, hey, we are all big body guy wrestling over here. And, hey, we are all, we're all punk rock wrestlers over here. And over here, it's just this kind of a person or a character, you know what I mean? But I feel like that that takes away from what would be like the, Everyone, everyone should be different, you should you should have a variety of people and characters and what they can do. And I feel like that's something that you know I've been on power since the first episode, and I feel like I'm one of the guys who does stuff a little bit different than most of the other people. And Matt, and Matt, I would put in that same category, and maybe Ricky Starks also like the guys that can do are a little bit different. I think I, make, I, make, I think that helps us stick out over here than over you know, five years I worked for all wrestling where. A lot of guys worked that way. You know? So it may be a little bit harder to stand out in the crowd when a lot of the guys wrestle the same way as I did. But I, I think I stand out a little more here because I'm wrestling Trevor Murdoch. who wrestles completely
2: different than I do. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Is it is it harder, though, too, by the way? I love... The, the studio show setup and everything, but like for your style, do you find it any harder? Like that ring oh, and, and God, I, I can't even imagine the floor on the outside. Like every time there's a bump on the floor, it seems like there, it's not like any, you know, like a normal floor you see at a wrestling matches. Does it make it more difficult for you?
1: You know, I don't, I don't think it makes it difficult. I feel like I've, you know, i spent this long training and performing and, trying to do as good as possible. And I think that basically translates everywhere. It might not be everybody's exact cup of tea, but I I feel like the the thing that I best bring to the table is the ability that I can, I feel like I can be in the ring with any person on the power roster and have a really good
2: match. Is there somebody that you haven't, been in the ring with yet that you're like really like somebody you're just hankering to get in there with well
1: uh ricky starks is a guy that i haven't been in the ring with and i would love to do that the top guy obviously nick all is someone i've never been in the ring with and i would ch- certainly love that opportunity but i mean honestly man every time i'm in, I'm in the ring with anybody there i just i want to go out there and and kill it and have the best match i can possibly have i mean obviously that's that's all. That's what you're going to get from me every time. So I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to maybe not. Maybe I don't have the ability to steal the show because I don't. I don't have the the backstory or the whatever that may need to have that happen. But I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to put maximum effort into every match I put. I
2: even though you haven't had like the same amount of mic time or anything, like you've you've done something a lot of people couldn't do. Though, like I said, uh, started standing out on your own. So I I think that says a lot about. <laughs> You and hopefully leads to a lot more opportunities there because i think you're like i said building a a fan base with the nwa fans for sure i appreciate it before i get out of here with you i wanted to ask you too like your 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 gear i didn't want to bury your other tag team (laughs) that you have uh when i was talking about the matt cross thing but you've got the revolt thing going on tell me yeah tell me a little bit about that the
1: revolt started out as uh the the company that i for currently in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, PWX. At uh, at that point, I was the, the champion there and Zane Riley was another one of the guys who was in charge, or not in charge, but he was a he was another one of the, the, the top guys there. And also Van Scout Jake Banning. And uh, at that point we were kind of doing what we wanted to do in wrestling. And we had uh, kind of between the three of us along with other people like Cedric Alexander and Adam Page and Corey Hollis and John Skyler. We kind of had built this from being a, a just a little local Charlotte show that had no interest in it to to kind of being like a, a better independence in the Southeast, especially at that time period. And then the company was bought legit, not, not the storyline thing, was legit bought by this other guy who had really no business running the wrestling show. And he did not see the value in Jake Manning, and he did not see the value in me, and he did not see the value in van Riley. Uh, so we quit, and after months and months of the fans of PWX asking why three of their favorite guys had uh, left the company, they decided they were going to let us back in, but give us smaller roles, and then we started this thing called The Revolt, where we were basically, uh, I wouldn't say hijacking the shows, but we were we were let it be known that we were not to be overlooked, and that the shows were going to be better if they didn't go with us and let us do what we did. And that was kind of the, the way that we brought it about. I've kind of just stuck with that everywhere I've gone now. And it, it goes kind of into my, my political views and kind of being kind of left-wing and kind of the way I live my life.
2: Yeah, well, I love the the logo, but I noticed in the you know there, there's words in that logo and that sort of thing. I was like, wow, this is a pretty. I don't, I don't want to like sound like I'm knocking the wrestling business either, but you know what I mean. Like, it seems like it's a little progressive for what most people think of. Yeah, like as as far as southern old school wrestling.
1: Cool. So it's, it's a regional thing, man. We go up the, we went me and Zane went up to California for bar wrestling, and we wore uh, the we love wrestling, hate fascism shirts, and. it people love bought bottom up like crazy and it was it was super over and then i you know i kind of come to, to west virginia or tennessee or even north carolina or georgia and it's they are kind of like ah, oh, well we're kind of we're kind of trump people we don't really, we don't really appreciate this kind of stuff going on here uh, yeah i would i would say it's definitely a progressive a progressive fault i mean i don't i don't, I don't see it that way. I think it should be Just relatively easy to say we love pro wrestling and we hate fascism, but uh, it seems to be a stance that not everyone can take. This, and honestly, man, if it if it shocks people, then then good. I want it to be a little a little bit edgy, you know? Like, uh, maybe you don't agree with me, maybe you do agree with me. Either way, you're going to get a – I hope you have a reaction to it.
2: You guys are uh, – uh, speaking of the revolt, you guys are going to uh, Barbados uh, as we're taping this, I think, this weekend, right?
1: Yeah, we, uh, we're flying to Barbados on Thursday evening, and we got a show Saturday afternoon there. It's going to have uh, Mary Skrull and Flip Gordon and Carlito and Chris Masters and P.J. Wolf, Sorry, P.J. Black, the J.R. Wolf and uh, Seidel and a whole bunch of people on it, man. It's going to be really cool. Uh, I've never been sure. to Barbados. Yeah, so it's a super stacked show. I've never been to Barbados. I don't know that wrestling's really been to Barbados. So yeah, I was really going to say that. Cool it's just the like the fresh
2: first- it's the first show they've ever had, is what I was reading.
1: Well, I would love for it to go out there and knock it out of the park, and then bring us back all the time. Really, man, <laughs> I love. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about doing what I do is getting to go do places. i you know, I, like you said earlier, I went to zero one, and I've been to China, and I've been to India, and I've been to Australia, and a couple of different places in Europe. And it would be really cool to make Barbados another one of those places.
2: I hope, I hope that we see more of you on power and your role starts to increase. You definitely have a following and I hope that we get to see you at Crockett Cup. So I'm going to be uh, keeping a close eye on it to see uh, what that's all about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, pre- I can't make any promises, but I do think that you are definitely going to see more of me in the future. I think um, one thing that would- that power does is listen to the fans and i i think that the fans of power have taken an interest in me and i am super grateful for that so i think you'll probably see a little bit
2: more of me yeah and hopefully this will open it up some more get uh people getting an insight into who caleb conley is uh i won't uh hold you up anymore i really do appreciate you taking the time to do this dude do you want to tell everybody where they can find you on all the social or plug anything you want to all, all the socials are at Caleb
1: Conley. My Facebook is at Caleb Conley Official. I've got a Pro Wrestling T store. Uh, hit up HighSpots.com. If you live in the Carolinas and you want to become a professional wrestler, the High Spots training school is right downtown Charlotte. I train on Wednesday nights. Trained by George South on Tuesday nights and Jake Madden on Thursday nights. Other than that, man, uh, tweet about me on Power.
2: Put me over to the fucking boss. Yeah, we could do that. We could make that happen. We'll start a Caleb Connor. movement. That's that's exactly what I want. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate everything you've been doing for not just me, but for the entire company. Yes, sir, brother. We appreciate you.